0: Well we're back with another episode of Farmland. This week's episode includes a TD dropping into our offices, concerns on cap and a focus on tillage. Here's what's coming up. We travel to Ennismart to get farmer views on cap concerns and the closure of a local beef factory. We look at how to examine the soil beneath your cover crops. And Brian Stanley discusses Sinn Féin's position on agriculture. In light of support for Sinn Fein's surging in the recent general election, AgriLand's news editor Claire McCormick caught up with Brian Stanley, the party's agricultural spokesperson, to ask him about Sinn Fein's agricultural policy and plans for the beef sector.
1: Brian, if the soundings from Brussels are to be believed, the CAP is looking, the CAP budget is looking at a cut of between 14 to 19%, which would be absolutely devastating for Irish farmers. In Sinn Féin's manifesto, you push that you're going to ensure that there's a cap on payments of 60000 and ensure that payments don't go to corporate enterprises such as factory feedlots. But how would you define that? How would you define those larger scale enterprises? Like, Where's the threshold for that in terms of um, stopping access for larger scale farms?
2: Well, what we have to look at uh, there with agriculture and where it's going is that it's facing a number of challenges. Uh, the two biggest challenges are sustainability, uh, strong climate change and incomes. And, you know, it's the vast, vast majority of farmers are under serious pressure, particularly outside of the dairy sector. The dairy sector for now is going quite well, but we must remember that a lot of those dairy farmers are carrying heavy debts. Uh, they have invested heavily in recent years in expansion and modernisation. Uh, so there's a, there's a... Uh, there's an income crisis in farming, uh, you will know that from talking, from speaking with farmers. And we must address the situation of family farms across the country. How are they going to be sustained into the future? What Sinn Féin is saying very clearly is that the, uh, the cap uh, for the maximum payment needs to be reduced. Uh, that's not to, to stop or to disincentivise people, but it really should be to incentivise smaller and medium-sized holdings uh, and family farms. To modernize and to uh, make, their, make their, uh, to make their holdings viable and diversification you know we have to the new cap uh, under the new cap obviously it, the, you mentioned the cuts and the leaks the leak papers this week uh, which may be deliberate or may not be deliberate but if that's where it's heading that you could be heading for up to a nineteen percent cut uh, that is that that will wipe out a huge number of family farms in this in this country so you know, when, when you put that along with uh, the challenges of climate change uh, and all of the other challenges, and which we already have income, inc- an income crisis, we have a beef crisis, uh, we're facing Mercosur. Mercosur isn't put to bed yet. I got a motion through the all uh, and the first week I was in this job as agricultural spokesperson back in July, uh, which mandated the Irish government and indeed, com- I would argue, compels the Irish government to go, uh, to go back to Brussels, to, to build alliances with other countries, to face down and stop the beef Element of Mercosur that has to be stopped.
1: At the same time, though, Brian, a lot of the the smaller farms, you know, there it's a part time income that they have coming from on, from agriculture. Then you have the full time farmer where their farm is more intensive at a larger scale. Um, will they fall into this category, this corporate enterprise category, um, that? you think should be excluded from receiving payments, where specifically will there be a threshold? Will Sinn Féin have a threshold in terms of how you would define those enterprises?
2: That's something that has to be uh, worked out. But what we're saying is it just does not make sense to be given with, say, one holding in terms of one one farm, a very large farm, uh, you know, 15 or 20 or 30 times more than other farmers in the immediate area. That, uh, we simply can't afford to continue with that. But what we're also saying very clearly is, is that uh, the feedlots, for example, uh, you know, and we've had a lot of talk in the last eight or nine months about the beef barons and the way that they're manipulating the, the beef situation. Well, if we want to tackle that, you know, there's obviously the pricing issues with those to be dealt with, but it certainly doesn't make sense to be also giving them taxpayers money to actually manipulate uh, and have an undue influence in terms of beef prices and controlling the whole beef market. So those issues have to be dealt with, and we'll have to be the minutiae of that detail will have to be drilled into and worked out. But what we are clear about is this: is that if we we're going to, it, it, we have a choice to make here in this country. If we want medium-sized, uh, medium-sized family farms to continue as viable entities, producing quality food, we have to make a decision about how we're going to support that, and that will need. A spread of cash across those a lot of those family farms to to bring them uh, in terms of viability to modernize them but also to diversify because simply uh, relying on you know the profit from producing beef that isn't going to cut it any longer you know a lot of those and I've been saying this for years and Sinn Féin have been saying it a lot of those uh, a lot of those family farms where they've erected sheds in recent years all those sheds should have solar panels on them we don't have them on them Uh, We we have very ambitious plans in terms of renewable energy and obviously while we have to get the biggest pot of money we can in Europe when we're divvying out that money here and how we structure those payments and where the money goes in terms of TAMs and the other schemes, we have to ensure that sustainable renewable energy is part of that to allow farmers to create a second income, to allow farmers to generate electricity for their own use uh, and to allow farmers to increase the viability of for holding. That's essential.
1: Just on price, I suppose the big issue in terms of the beef crisis this year has been that is poor prices and the impact that that's having on the ground on farmers. Uh, The government to this stage is saying that they can't intervene on price, that that's between the processors and the fact that they have the control there. Uh, The language used in your own manifesto that you're going to take on the beef cartel, that you're going to challenge the beef cartel, in practical terms, what could you do as the potential minister for agriculture in the first 100 days to actually tackle price? Is that Would you bring in legislation that you can control price?
2: Well, I actually have a piece of legislation there for the last five months. Uh, the Beef, Beef Price Transparency Bill 2019 that I introduced in the Dáil, we would implement that bill. That would help to bring about transparency uh, in re- real-time information in terms of what's being paid by what factories uh, for the quality of cattle, the age of the cattle etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera, right and that's one thing we could do and that does happen in other countries we don't do it here now we welcome the board B index which does give you the index price for the comparison with European countries but within the state here that's one of the things we should we should do the consumer and competition authority they also need to carry out an investigation into what's going on and I mean it's an open secret that the offal industry is controlled by one individual and one corporate entity um, that's, that's, that's the factual situation uh, up to ninety percent of the offal industry is controlled by that entity. Anybody working in the beef industry will uh, know know the facts. Of this, that if the offal, whoever controls the offal, which is the one part, obviously the end, the end product uh, within the beef of within the beef sector, one part of the end product, whoever controls that can actually manipulate and use undue influence with the with the corporate entities that are not in that. So that whole all of that uh, effectively a cartel operation that all needs to be investigated and needs to be dismantled uh, because you can't have a situation where one corporate entity is effectively manipulating the whole beef sector
1: well i suppose brian the competition authority did um report last year that it was in their view there was no cartel in operation in the beef sector um so but just specifically in terms of intervening on price can
2: you can you can I address that in relation to i don't see and this is something that's not it's not acceptable to us that uh, i'm well aware of what their findings were but that they came to the conclusion that uh, you know that there wasn't uh, uh, that one that one corporate entity did not control uh too much of that market i mean i don't know how anyone could investigate the, the beef processing sector in this country, and come to that conclusion, and that's not certainly not the view of farmers. It's not our view.
1: So you would reopen. Them.
2: Absolutely, and you know, and I know from dealing with the, with that organisation, the Competition Authority, in relation to other areas of, of the economy, that uh, we have a very very weak consumer protection and competition authority in this country. It's very very weak. It's a, it's literally it's a toothless tiger.
1: But on price, Brian, would you if Sinn Féin were in government, would you be? Do you think the government should have more of more control in terms of intervening on price when it goes to a certain level? Would you bring in a baseline?
2: Would you? The facts are: is is that it's it's a free market there, and everyone knows that you can't. Anyone looking at this common sense knows that you can't go in and set a price, and no government can do that. That's not the way. That's not the way the market works. But what, what you can do is is that you can try and deal with those distortions in the market, such as in the offal sector, such as the fact of price transparency. You know, We believe that our price transparency bill, while it wouldn't be a silver bullet, it would go some way to actually shedding light on what's going on within that sector and would help to open it up uh, and to bring about some level of accountability uh, within the beef processing sector. So the we're very clear about this. We're not saying we have a silver bullet. We're saying there's a number of things that need to be addressed combined would help to, uh, to bring fairness for farmers because the primary producer cannot keep producing at a loss. That's the iron laws of economics. You can do that for six months or 12 months, but you can't do that into the second, third, and fourth year. And I go back to that point I met earlier. You know, it's, it's the viability of those family farms. We have to make a decision. Do we want them to be viable? Do we want to retain that model? If we do, then we're going to have to deal with these issues. We can't keep sidestepping them and ducking and diving around them. These have to be dealt with head on.
1: Okay, we'll leave it there, Brian. Thanks for the Thank us.
0: With recent news, the Keypacks beef processing site in County Clare has closed. Agriland travelled to Ennismart to get a feel for how this closure will affect beef farmers in the locality.
3: Actually, it's a big loss for the men with, with small numbers of cattle. You know, the men with uh, fifteen and twenty and thirty cattle, and you know they can go there, bringing four or five whenever they want to. You know, you're fresh, fresh kill and it's very good. Uh, a few of the bigger men then, they had a couple of hundred cattle back west there. They got on very well now, they were, they were well treated. And it's a major loss, major loss. Duffies and Gotthwin are closed, It's a big loss of South Godway and this is just a bigger loss to County Claire. Clare. Uh, the news seems bad luck. Like. Uh, I think the, the hostility was a factor, the aggression the farmers put on the, the K-PAC group. I think it was a major, a major factor. And uh, they wanted to show their teeth like, I suppose. But we are the, the bosses like. They're normally gonna tell us what to do or push us about. But, yeah, they could be calling their bluff, maybe. Mm-hmm. But we'll give it a bit of time to let, let, let things settle, Let the heat, and... and, and There'll be background stage uh, talking and, you know, the usual that goes on in these issues. And I think God is good, like, something might come out of it. It was a great asset to the local community, the farmers. Maybe as things progress and, well, the stability of, of, of the, the way and dealing with Europe and Britain is another significant factor, like. Uh, they don't know is there markets and power here that we can compete. with? you know, Europe, the big, the big market out there, Britain's our big, big trading partner, like, and uh, there's a lot of talking to be done anyway, internationally, and, and that's the constants that we've come to here, and that'll take a bit of time.
1: Well, sure, for the men now, uh, older men now, that would uh, bring their own cattle shirts will be devastation. They'll have to get um, agents now to bring their cattle, an increase in cost, I suppose, and um, like that now, the farmer, at the end of the day, he's trying to make a pound and the more he's spending, the less he's making, so, I don't know now after that.
4: it be awful to the farmers, like, so can the do, they're, they're just going very bad. They're the big stuff to. isn't there, It's hard to keep it going. Price of cattle are going very bad. I make out they'll be very bad in the year or two. So England want nothing to fix up with the EEC If England start buying them off of Canada and New Zealand, they have a deal done with them but the sheep, that, New Zealand. I think things are going to be looking very bad for farming.
0: With proposals of a potential 14% cut to the budget of the Common Agricultural Policy, we also asked the farmers in Ennis how this cut would affect a county such as Clare. I'd imagine it to be huge.
3: Sure, a 2% or 5% cut, is massive as it is even. And, to, and that's only what they're proposing, it could be a lot worse than that. Maybe they're only drip feeding us. We, we don't really know. And our politicians would want to stand up there as well too, and they want to be someone in control to argue our case. The prices for whales are very bad at the moment. Well, they have improved a bit, but the suckler cow, the suckler cow, like, is that paying her way. And the cap is really providing the money for the farmers. As I've got to cut that now, I tell there's an awful lot of people going out of the uh, suckler, fer- suckler farming. Suckler farming. And the rural economy, or the villages around the whole country would suffer because of them and of i are depending on the rural farmer. You know, and the farmer, keep on going. You see, hardware shops, pubs, things like that, just, you know, that's the income. And I think there will be no profit in farming if the cap is cut. But the cap is keeping us oil going. I can't, I can't say enough about it. That should be a bit of a disaster, wouldn't it? Just how we want an increase in the cap. uh, To no good. But that's the way negotiations start, don't it? It's going to be harder for us now because we had Britain used to be an ally with us and now they're they're not there anymore. So it's up to our representatives in the IFA and the minister, of course whoever he'll be, and should we know the way things are going, who'll be negotiating for us?
4: What should I mean the common agricultural policy? So many people, so many farmers now are depending almost totally on these payments uh, as, as, as a profit margin. Because, I mean, you can see yourself the, the, the production of the suckler cow, for example, is a big question. But it is the years it has taken to produce these cows and it is tis, tis disgusting for farmers to see the price of these weyland's they should be averaging a thousand a piece these these um, uh, continental bull weyland should be averaging at least a thousand to, to make to make any kind of a margin of profit and i mean it doesn't look like that into the future you know so without these payments i know people here in this country they have a good bit of land and uh, they buy cattle here at the march and that and they buy them economically but we'll say only they say only for the payments they have no profit
0: in Clare, no, it's all old old people that are farming. It's like myself, it's, it's not, you couldn't support family, you no, in a farm. Especially like you know, not a lot of not Clare and with Clare and all this type of thing. Sure. like it's it's very high. It's impossible to rear family down. now. cattle are not paying for themselves, like you know, like I mean, you can't buy a good one for a thousand quid. Like I mean, and selling for twelve fifty after feeding him just can't be done, like, you know? It's only hobby farming, like, you know? But, like, I mean, there's a lot of hobby farmers around, but, like, I mean, the army farmer that's trying to make a living, like, me I mean, you just can't carry on. You just have to cut down, like, you know, and relax and try and leave. He'd be a bit rough in the door. Finally, our tillage specialist, Siobhan Walsh, met with agronomist Robbie Byrne to find out how cover crops can protect and improve your soil.
5: Hi and welcome to this week's how-to video. I'm Siobhan Walsh and this week we're on Michael and Norman Dunn's farm just outside Maynooth in County Gildare and we're looking at what's happening under the ground in this field of cover crops and today Robbie Byrne is going to look at what's happening in the soil with us. It's February now today and we're after having snow earlier on so if this ground was bare it'd be that that weather would be doing a lot of harm to the soil so the cover crops are providing Protection. A, a protection. What are sort soaking up water?
4: What are they doing yeah. there? Well, basically they're doing a, a couple of things. One is that the, the living fraction is helping to soak up some bit of water. Although in high rainfall events, that's it's 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 never easy. But it's also providing an, an above ground protection. So when the raindrops are hitting, coming down, they're bouncing off plants and leaves. You can see them yourselves there, um, and that just avoids the sudden impact onto soil which displaces a lot of the finer silt particles of that soil and, and that's really the fertility that's maybe potentially going to end up in rivers or drains or watercourses so uh, it's yeah. it's fitting in from that angle as well.
5: So people who don't understand maybe that brown clay that we see on the yeah. roads yeah. after a rain that's the really good soil that's yeah. being lost and yeah. the cover crops are protecting it. Yeah. So there's a, a really good mix in this field as well so I think Michael said we've different types of clover what else have we in this we field? We have
4: two types tillage radish and oilseed radish. We have phacelia, there's vetch and there's actually some linseed. I suppose a lot of people start off with just single species cover crops and then they try and maybe move towards more multi-species for, for various reasons and there's still a lot of research to be done on cover crops in Ireland. There's a lot of research from abroad showing the benefits of them and uh, a lot of challenges as well. Early sowing being one of them and I think we can see that here. This was an early sown crop, uh, sown something towards the end of July and even some Irish research has shown with some of the cover crops uh, you know a week in July is worth nearly two to three weeks in August and is worth a month in September so I think uh, some of the earlier research showed the biomass uh, basically uh, July sown cover crops were producing three times as much biomass as September sown cover crops and they were actually crops for, for forage for feeding animals so again dual purpose cover crops so the roots will penetrate deeper some plants will have Deeper penetrating roots, other plants will have roots that uh, grow more widely in the top a couple of inches. So, like the two radishes, will have a deeper tap root to penetrate to deal with compaction, whereas the phacelia has uh, a, a lovely. Uh, you know, a very thick mat of, of small, fine root hairs that really work that top three, four, five 4, 5 inches and very good feeders of soil biology and encouragement to soil biology and the linseed is probably one of the most pro-mycorrhizal plants that, that we can probably grow in this country so again, he's looking at that as, as a ma- means of just introducing a bit of rotation into that and biodiversity in the below ground root exudates coming from the plants.
5: Right, you brought the spade Robbie, so we'll go and dig a few holes and see what they're doing. Right, sure dig down there Robbie. So we're
4: just going to have a look at the difference between where there is a cover crop and where there's no cover crop. Yeah. So again, we can see that there, and the colour, yeah. the amount of roots in it, so it's quite grey, quite wet, quite cold, yeah. and I'll just find a, a bit here. Put them side by side. So again, it's just coming down from a, one of the radishes. We can see it's far more friable.
5: Yeah, so the roots are coming open. out and the clay is yeah. around it. Yeah.
4: It's more open. It's yeah. it's it's actually doing the physical work of keeping the soil active, keep feeding the photosynthesis down there. So there's some people call it the liquid carbon pathway.
5: The clay it's, it's is a the, lot more crumbly. To yeah, place, isn't it? yeah. Like so, despite the day and the, the wet feeling, yeah. like compa- you can really see the difference yeah. in the two of them. So, there's a lot of cover here now, and it's February, and Michael's going to sow a crop in it. So, what's our Michael Lernar and Norman, what are they going to do before they plant?
4: And again, there's a number of options open to any growers. Michael has already rolled some cover crops in that he. In, when he knew there was a couple of heavy frosts coming and he got a very good result from that this year that's not always guaranteed and other cover crops in the past he's used just burn desiccating with glyphosate and yeah. and a, a quick burn down so again the traditional methods and maybe some of the more interactive methods to, you know looking at say non-chemical control but um he's 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 I suppose, constantly trying to see which is the best way, and at the moment, as long as life is, it, is registered, it's, it's the quickest way to desiccate the cover crops.
5: So Robbie, we've learned an awful lot just from digging holes and seeing what's going on inside. You call it pooching. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's the, the biggest thing to take away from this video. Go out, look at your cover crops and dig down a hole. The best investment you can make on your farm maybe is a spade.
0: Thanks a million for watching. Be sure to stay tuned to agriland.ie for news as it happens. Until next time.